This is Chapter 16 of Pudd'nhead Wilson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Tragedy of Pudd'nhead Wilson by Mark Twain. Chapter 16 Sold Down the River. If you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he will not bite you. This is the principal difference between a dog and a man. Pudd'nhead Wilson's Calendar. We all know about the habits of the ant. We know all about the habits of the bee. But we know nothing at all about the habits of the oyster. It seems almost certain that we have been choosing the wrong time for studying the oyster. Pudd'nhead Wilson's Calendar. When Roxana arrived, she found her son in such despair and misery that her heart was touched and her motherhood rose up strong in her. He was ruined past hope now. His destruction would be immediate and sure, and he would be an outcast and friendless. That was reason enough for a mother to love a child. So she loved him and told him so. It made him wince secretly, for she was a nigger. That he was one himself was far from reconciling him to that despised race. Roxana poured out endearments upon him, to which he responded uncomfortably, but as well as he could, and she tried to comfort him, but that was not possible. These intimacies quickly became horrible to him, and within the hour he began to try to get up courage enough to tell her so, and require that they be discontinued or very considerably modified. But he was afraid of her. And besides, there came a lull now, for she had begun to think. She was trying to invent a saving plan. Finally she started up, and said she had found a way out. Tom was almost suffocated by the joy of this sudden good news. Roxana said, "'Here's the plan, and she'll win sure. I's a nigger, and nobody ain't going to doubt it to hears me talk. I's worth six hundred dollars. Take and sell me, and pay off these gamblers.' Tom was dazed. He was not sure he had heard right. He was dumb for a moment, then he said, "'Do you mean that you would be sold into slavery to save me?' "'Ain't you my child? And does you know anything that a mother won't do for her child? They ain't nothing a white mother won't do for her child. Who made him so? The Lord done it. And who made the niggers? The Lord made em. In the inside, mothers is all the same.' The good Lord, he made him so. I's gwine to be sold into slavery, and in a year you's gwine to buy your mammy free again. I'll show you how. That's the plan. Tom's hopes began to rise, and his spirits along with them. He said, It's lovely of you, mammy. It's just— Say it again, and keep on saying it. It's all the pay a body can want in this world, and it's more than enough. Laws bless you, honey. When I's a slavin' around and they busses me, if I knows you's a saying dat way off yonder summers, it'll heal up all the sore places, and I can stand em. I do say it again, Mammy, and I'll keep on saying it too. But how am I going to sell you? You're free, you know. Much different that make. White folks ain't particular. The law can sell me now if they tell me to leave the state in six months and I don't go. You draw up a paper, bill a sale, and put it way off yonder down in the middle of Cane Tuck summers, and sign some names to it, and say you'll sell me cheap cause uh, you's hard up. You'll find you ain't gwine to have no trouble. You take me up to country piece and sell me on a farm. 
and them people ain't gwine to ask no questions if i's a bargain tom forged a bill of sale and sold his mother to an arkansas cotton planter for a trifle over six hundred dollars he did not want to commit this treachery but luck threw the man in his way and this saved him the necessity of going up-country to hunt up a purchaser with the added risk of having to answer a lot of questions whereas this planter was so pleased with roxy that he asked next to none at all besides the planter insisted that roxy wouldn't know where she was at first and that by the time she found out she would already have been contented so tom argued with himself that it was an immense advantage for roxy to have a master who was pleased with her as this planter manifestly was in almost no time his flowing reasonings carried him to the point of even half believing he was doing roxy a splendid surreptitious service in selling her down the river and then he kept diligently saying to himself all the time it's for only a year in a year i buy her free again she'll keep that in mind and it'll reconcile her yes the little deception could do no harm and everything would come out right and pleasant in the end anyway by agreement the conversation in roxy's presence was all about the man's up-country farm and how pleasant a place it was and how happy the slaves were there so poor roxy was entirely deceived and easily for she was not dreaming that her own son could be guilty of treason to a mother who involuntarily going into slavery slavery of any kind mild or severe or of any duration brief or long was making a sacrifice for him compared with which death would have been a poor and commonplace one she lavished tears and loving caresses upon him privately and then went away with her owner went away broken-hearted and yet proud to do it tom scored his accounts and resolved to keep to the very letter of his reform and never to put that will in jeopardy again he had three hundred dollars left according to his mother's plan he was to put that safely away and add her half of his pension to it monthly in one year this fund would buy her free again for a whole week he was not able to sleep well so much the villainy which he had played upon his trusting mother preyed upon his rag of conscience but after that he began to get comfortable again and was presently able to sleep like any other miscreant the boat bore roxy away from st louis at four in the afternoon and she stood on the lower guard abaft the paddle-box and watched tom through a blur of tears until he melted into the throng of people and disappeared then she looked no more but sat there on a coil of cable crying till far into the night when she went to her foul steerage bunk at last between the clashing engines it was not to sleep but only to wait for the morning and waiting grieve it had been imagined that she would not know and would think she was traveling upstream she why she had been steamboating for years at dawn she got up and went listlessly and sat down on the cable-coil again she passed many a snag whose break could have told her a thing to break her heart for it showed a current moving in the same direction that the boat was going but her thoughts were elsewhere and she did not notice but at last the roar of a bigger and nearer break than usual brought her out of her torpor and she looked up and her practiced eye fell upon that tell-tale rush of water for one moment her petrified gaze fixed itself there then her head dropped upon her breast and she said oh the good lord god have mercy on poor sinful me 
eyes sold down the river end of chapter 16